Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. got to the point where you're really ready to stop drinking can you admit hand on your heart that you cannot moderate and there is no point forcing yourself around and around the ferris wheel do you want to get sober but don't know where to start or do you wish that you could get some positive results this time in my private membership group thrive you will find the recipe to get and stay successfully sober. Thrive offers wonderful support, guidance on how to start, how to get past specific challenges, and it also includes weekly Zoom meetings. There are many people that have joined Thrive on day one, and now they're celebrating milestones they've never achieved before. Visit www.sassysobermum.com thrive for more info or to sign up. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I am super excited. Uh, I've got Sophie on the show from Berkshire and she has been sober the same amount of time as me apart from one week. She's a week ahead. So that is three years, nine months and 16 days. Sophie and I have been connected for a long time actually. I think in the first year of sobriety, we were connected and then we both went off and had a baby, I think, and sort of w- was in and out of the whole sober world. And we reconnected about a year ago and now we've become good mates. So it's really exciting to have you on, Sophie. Thank you for joining me. I am so excited about this. <laughs> long time coming, mate. It is a long time coming. Yeah, we were saying, weren't we, just before we clicked record, we both need to try and calm down because we're <laughs> Because we're we're good at bouncing off each other and there's a lot of energy in the room, but we can do this. I talk too fast as well, so just tell me if it's too much to slow (laughs) down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think I'm the same, so we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll help each other. Um, So, yeah, over to you, Sophie. Why don't you tell us a bit about who you are so we can get to know you? Sure. So I'm 33, just. I've got two kids. Um, I have my first in 2017 which if we're keeping this relatable to drinking it's probably when my drinking like really ramped up on maternity leave um but I've always drank to excess so but didn't never really thought it was a problem before because everyone does it in inverted commas um but yeah I've got two kids I work full-time um in HR uh have done for years I don't know if I'm that interesting you know that's actually really boring isn't it but um that's that that is my life like (laughs) What what do you like to do? Well, I'm obsessed with running and my Peloton. I'm like trying to get you to get a Peloton, aren't I? Yes. So, yeah. Just because it's just got the best, the, the best songs on it. So um, yeah, I love exercising when I get a chance. Um, what else do I like doing? Reading when I get a chance. And like, I know it's really bad, isn't it? But I am a bit obsessed with sobriety. I've been banging the drum about it for about four years now, nearly. Um, So like my Instagram does actually take up a lot of my time. Um, But yeah, that's uh, that's me. I love spending time with my kids. They are a handful, but fun. Um, Yeah, it's been a busy four years. I know what you mean as well, actually, about that sobriety obsession. I think we're both very similar 
we have been, yeah, we've kind of been on this journey. It's just so funny, isn't it? The way that this whole sobriety world works. Like I remember yeah. when we connected like a long time ago and then I kind of went off the Instagram scene for about two years. <laughs> and then yeah. I think you kind of went a, a bit away from it, didn't you? And then yeah. both come back and um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really, it's been a blossoming friendship and um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see you face to face. It's exciting to hear about your story in more detail because I don't think I've ever really been into it properly. No. And, um, so on that, on that note, why don't you kind of take us back and talk to us about your drinking and what your life with alcohol was like? Big question. <laughs> it is a big question. And when I, obviously you send the questions before, so I was having a think about this. The first word that comes to mind when you say describe your life with alcohol for me is a mess. It was a mess. Um, it was chaotic. I was anxious, but I used to blame the anxiety on everything else. So work, life, usually my actions from those nights out, but would mm. you don't you don't think, oh, I was drunk when I did that, so maybe I should remove the alcohol. Instead you think, oh my God, I can't believe I fell over and smashed my leg up. Like how how embarrassing. How and the anxiety you think is because you've hurt yourself rather than actually why did you hurt yourself? It's because of the drinking. Um mm. but yeah it was just it was just a mess. It was chaotic. I started drinking, I would say I was about 15. And I always say this to everyone. Think back to when you first drank. How did you drink when you first drank? For me, the first time I ever drank alcohol, I blacked out. I drank to excess. I couldn't moderate ever. Mm. Um, and I think that is like a, a, a lot of people resonate with that. And I speak to people all the time on Instagram DMs and things, but um, they all say the same thing that usually it started off hard. And I did. It was like almost an escape straight away. Oh, this is really fun. This makes me feel good. I'm suddenly accepted by my peers. They all think I'm really fun and funny, but they're laughing at you. Um, so, you know, at parties and things when you're 18, 19, 20, it feels like it's just the dumb thing. But when you look back on it, everyone's pre-drinking with their WKDs. Mm. I'm pre-drinking with vodka um, and not just drinking a little bit of vodka. I'm drinking the whole bottle. Um, and then I would say in my 20s, life with alcohol it, it got dark it, you know it was it was my excuse for everything I didn't I stopped going to university I still I scraped my degree but I didn't go to any of my lectures or anything like that I was too hungover or partying all the time um it just took a really dark turn joined a recruitment agency like a sales job and felt like I was in Wolf of Wall Street in there you like surround yourself with the people who kind of do what you do. So, you know, yeah. if, if I'm hanging out with a load of binge drinkers in their thirties and forties, mm. I'm in my early twenties. I think this is so cool. This is what life's going to be like. Um, whereas my, my best friends probably from school and things like that, who weren't so much binge drinkers, I didn't maybe see them as much in those times. Whereas now we've reconnected and we're really, really close again because that is more me. I don't mm. drink. Um, yeah. That's that's sorry if that was a really rambly answer, but that was my life with alcohol. A mess. It was a mess. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think a lot of people certainly. I don't know. I can't speak for other countries, but I do think that in the UK, it is so typical, isn't it, to be fourteen, fifteen, drinking and going out. Yeah, drinking in a park, getting but getting really, really wasted from yeah. the get go. And it's so anxiety-inducing 
when you get blackout drunk most weekends and you don't remember anything, like I was constantly looking over my shoulder. Everyone you say, oh, you're so scatty because I was, I was like constantly paranoid. I had been somewhere or seen someone or done something, but I had no idea what it was and it was going to come and hit me in the face at any minute. And that is a horrible way to live. I had no money. My skin was falling off. (laughs) Like literally my skin was in pieces. Um, And I just always felt like it's got to be, this can't be life forever. Yes. But also couldn't see that life was ever going to change. It was like, surely I'm I'm just the fun binge drinker that I am, but had all these other problems in the background. Yeah. And and you really carve out that identity for yourself, don't you, yeah. as well? And that sort of that fun binge drinking, happy go lucky. Yeah. Always at the party first, always at the party last. Out, out drink all the boys, can drink yes. all the boys under the table. Everyone used to call me Frank the Tank. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, it just feels so foreign to me now because, like, I can't even identify with this. But at the time, I embellished it, like, yeah, Frank the Tank, fucking come on then. Like, it's yeah. so, it's so far removed from who I am now. But at the time, I like, yeah, I, I just thought it was the best thing ever. I thought it was so cool. But actually, people are laughing at you when people say, oh no, you've got to come on the night out. Why do I have to come on the night out? Because you know you're guaranteed a performance and entertainment mm-hmm. and or someone who's going to be worse off than you. So, <laughs> um, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? I do think that for me, my drinking provided almost some relief, almost some cushion for everyone else's drinking because they weren't that bad in inverted yeah. commas because they maybe weren't as wrecked as I was perhaps or maybe not getting in so much trouble um so in your 20s it was that sort of salesy and that that's really toxic actually that kind of working environment isn't it because drinking in the office yeah I mean that's just mad I did actually get uh, contacted recently on Instagram by a lady who worked in London I think she was probably in her early 30s and she was saying that they still have this drinks trolley that comes yeah. around on a Friday lunchtime afternoon. And there is that expectation that you are going to have or crack, you know, have your first Prosecco or crack open your first beer. Yeah. Um, so when you're in that environment and you are quite young and impressionable, as in for you, 20s, yeah. um, then it's quite difficult to, I mean, what do you do? I mean, everyone just does it, don't they? It's just, oh, I lapped it up. I lapped it up. I thought this is where I fit in. This is my place. These guys love me. I thought they were all my really good friends. Um, Don't speak to any of them anymore. She says it all. Um, But yeah, it was beer o'clock on a Friday, but everyone went out Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. There was always someone you could find to go out with no matter what day of the week it was. Mm. Yeah, I worked in an environment just like that, actually. And I do, I think my drinking really ramped up. I I lived in London in my early, mid-20s. And I would say that I still did a lot of binge drinking and stuff at weekends. But it it was, even that in London was was never as bad as actually when I kind of moved to the coast and I got into a very salesy young salesy environment bit bit like wolf, yeah. wall street that's exactly how yeah. i look back on it um it's all sort of like targets targets yeah let's go ring the bell we used ring. to ring the bell yeah if you didn't ring, deal yeah ring the bell yeah ring the bell we used to have like a floor clap where like a hundred people would be clapping and whooping oh, um 
and um yeah and I, and, it, and and obviously you know all the kind of prizes that you would get or for hitting targets that everything would be alcohol related and yeah my my drinking ramped up massively and also what ramped up is access and exposure to party drugs as well or you know lifestyle drugs whatever you want to call them yeah um, but then I realized that there was this world of um after parties that I'd never been to before and you would go out so you would have your pre-drinks yeah um, you would go out and have your relatively long night out. night out like four hours of drinking in bars or you know talking nonsense whatever but then you would like 20 of you would go back to someone's house Tom's house or yep. whoever's house who was on the sort of other side of town and then that party would then go on until eight or nine in the morning and- when the birds came out tweeting and the sun was up, I, you, the panic and the fear, oh, I still to this day, nearly four years on, keep that at the forefront of my mind if I'm ever tempted because there's no, it, the, it's horrific. It is yeah. debilitating and it would stick with me. for. I'd have that one massive blowout night out where I got in at 6am and for about a week or two after, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. Yes, I was exactly the same. And the just the amount of anxiety and self-loathing in those situations. And also, I don't know about you, but when you do those types of drugs, you, you're not blacking out in those situations. Like the memories are pretty crystal clear. Like you do remember things. I mean, don't get me wrong. You don't really remember all the nonsense that you might chat. You just know that you were chatting a lot. But the but night's almost on like fast forward. Yeah, so that's so true. It's, like, it's almost like it, it could be 1 a.m. 1 when you go back to Sophie's flat and then it's suddenly 6 a.m. But the yeah. whole night you can remember it all. Um, and or I wouldn't remember. Like if I, if I was just drinking, sometimes I would almost like fall asleep in clubs or um, have to be like carried out, like completely none of my limbs working, you know, and I would never remember that. I was once mm. found outside a bar um, in Bristol by a, my friend's ex-boyfriend, found me and rang her and an ambulance because it's just literally like she's just in a pile outside a club that's terrifying like <laughs> and it was on a Sunday a Sunday night I'd gone to a bar um embargoes in Bristol for like live music night I don't know I, I feel like I only had a few vodkas but I don't know 10 10 double vodkas and yeah I was found outside the bar on my own on the floor in a mess in a heap and they called an ambulance God. for me that's quite frightening isn't it yeah, I think, and as well, I think, um, I, I would say for me personally, I've had m- moments like that as well, where I've been in parties and the next minute I'm in, I'm in ambulances and it's just like, how, how, how have I got to this point? But I think it's quite common, um, actually. And I, I've, I don't know about you, but I've learned to remove some of the shame that I think yep. in those situations because of how, brave and open many many people are now that they share yeah. well actually that happened to me too and you start to realize that it isn't just you <laughs> at the end of the day there's many many people there's people out there right now that, that are going through that yeah you look at the stats of how much drinking costs the nhs just through like people's accidents or getting ambulances called for them or you know domestics and things like that and it's staggering like one fraction of many um Mm. so no I don't it's funny I I guess I feel shame to a certain extent but not really I feel guilty um which I think is there's a massive difference there like when you feel guilty that kind of spurs you on to change like Mm. use that guilt and change it around but when you feel shame 
deep shame that can be quite hard to you can drink on shame I think and it can be quite hard to break out of that cycle so you need to almost be so strong and say I'm not this person anymore and I don't want to be this person ever again let's Mm -hmm. go let's change it up and that's what that's what I did and like I say I you can you can feel shame about it but there's no point it's done it's it's happened but I I will never end up in an ambulance because of my drinking again so there you go yeah no that's really really good and so talking um about you mentioned there in 2017 you had your first child so if we carried on that drinking story maybe to you in your 30s now you you sort of settled down you've had your first child what happened with your drinking at that point yeah, so I uh, when I got pregnant, I literally the first thought I had was fuck, I'm not going to be able to drink. Like I'm not going to be able to drink for 9 months. And I was really furious about it. I had five weddings that year, and it was almost like all those weddings are going to be shit now, which is so messed up because now I'm sober, I've been to many weddings and they are so much better sober than drunk. And I also think that pregnancy saved me that year because maybe it was my brother's wedding that year. It was one of my really good friends' wedding that year. (laughs) They might not be talking to me now if I hadn't been pregnant and was able to drink because I'm quite known for ruining a wedding. So um, yeah, I, I was really annoyed. And that's where I think you can be sober but you are not in a sober mindset. I was a drinker's mindset. I felt I was missing out. I was pissed off. I would still have the odd Prosecco at these weddings, always take it a little bit too far, maybe have two and feel absolute like, monumental guilt later on that night. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was very ready to drink again. I couldn't wait for the nine months. I loved being pregnant. I actually had a lovely pregnancy, but I could not wait to drink again. And like with anything, I think you can use it as an excuse, right? I had a really traumatic birth, emergency C-section. Um, my son, the cord got wrapped around his neck and he he couldn't breathe and his heart rate went and it was awful, right? And so for months after that, it was like, I went through this. And so I deserve this drink. I've been recovering. I've been this. And you like use it as an excuse to, to binge and to block out the trauma of what happened. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it was horrible. Um, and... Again, I'm very uh, easily led, like as in to this day, I'm a sucker for any sort of marketing, right? It's why I have a bloody Peloton because I just saw the adverts and thought it was great. So I've been I've been watching for years, mummy wine culture, mummy's mm. special juice. And even though I only had a four week old baby, I was like, oh yes, mummy deserves a wine. Like I lapped it up because I was like, I'm a mum now and that's what mums do. Mums have wine, mums have wine to get through the day. Um, so I must need it. And I really noticed in return, that's when I really thought, this is a bit odd. I am wanting a drink at like 2 p.m. and trying really hard to wait till five o'clock, like really hard. It's like a constant battle, like wait till five, wait till five, because I was a bit bored. I was just at home with a baby. Uh, any excuse for any other mums who wanted to go to the pub, I was like, yep, yeah, let's go to the pub. And we would drink all day in the pub, like from 1 p.m. lunchtime drinks. And I would always encourage us to stay. Let's do shots. Let's do this. Let's do that. Baby's just sat in the pushchair. Um, and then, yeah, it just ramped up. It got dark. I, I was getting really bad migraines. I went to the doctors. They took some blood tests and they said, oh, your liver has come back um, um, with some abnormal abnormalities. Let's send you off for further tests. And I honestly shit myself. <laughs> Not literally. But I was like, oh, God, because I lied on, on the on the forms when it said, how much do you drink? I was like, within the units a week. That's an absolute lie. It was always yeah. more than 14 units a week. Um, so when he said your liver's come back with abnormalities, I was like, shit. So I stopped drinking completely for like three weeks. Um, the liver I had more tests and they, and it sorted itself out basically. So I thought, oh, that was a scare. Right. I'm only going to drink at special occasions now. Mm-hmm. No more weekday drinking. So I was only drinking at special occasions. 
And I think I had too many special occasions where every single one I got an, into an absolute mess um, that by, this is in 2018, so it took a good year and a half of trying till I finally said, absolutely not, this is never going to change. It's time now to, day one's got to happen now or never. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the mummy wine culture. So I think I'm trying to think about when I had my children, 2013 and 2015, I had my first two. So yeah, kind of, I was really abroad in that mummy wine culture as well. It's so, it's just so dangerous. Like yeah. the other day I was on Facebook and, um, I don't go on Facebook very much to be honest, but a memory popped up of um when I had shared a meme about mum's drinking and stuff like that and just my caption you know just said it all you know I was just I thought was the funniest thing ever and I was sharing it and that that yeah I was just I don't know I think a lot of that does still exist but it doesn't feel like it's as bad for some reason I don't know why I do I noticed is it is it because we're out of it though Possibly, yeah. I must admit, I still come across it sometimes. I think it's an algorithm thing on Instagram when I go onto the home bit and it, you know, tries to pull tiles of things that I'd be interested in. Sometimes I keep coming across like women running down streets with bottles of wine and glasses of wine, and someone said, "Come around for drinks." I'm already there, and uh, all that sort of, you know. And I think I just think, oh God, like I, I look forward to when all of that goes away yeah. uh, because I just think it's so dangerous and it does keep you trapped. And I, the scary thing about it is it's, it's you believe it so much when you're in yeah. it. Like you believe that this is how you need to operate as a parent with wine. You need, you need it. And, and it's like you really believe, you really buy into it. And it's just... It's, yeah. And the memes and things encourage you to be like, ah, see, if there's a meme on it and 30,000 people have liked it, then everyone's fucking doing it. So it's yeah. fine. I yeah. used to, do, oh God, yeah, I used to follow all those accounts on my personal one that would really encourage and just, yeah, reiterate the fact that you're fine doing what you're doing. That's what everyone does. Whereas now my sober and happy page, you know, I'd never see anything like that. It's just, it's what you surround yourself with. And yeah. when you, when you decide or want to give up drinking, you have to like remove all those accounts and change it up because otherwise it's in your face constantly yeah, reiterating yeah. and encouraging using a drug to get through parenting which is just so messed up yeah yeah it is messed up so when you what what did that day look like the day that you decided right that's it talk, yeah. talk me through that morning or that day so that was a birds were tweeting sun was up panic walk home at 6am and I was just in pieces so I had had four months sober I'd done four months sobriety and it was good I'd had the pink cloud feeling and then a few things happened I had um some uh, an argument with some friends I went to New York and got engaged and the hotel sent us or said they were going to send us champagne and my other half went oh she doesn't drink so they sent me a bottle of fizzy water and I saw it like a plastic bottle of fizzy water like room temperature and I just remember thinking really is that the alternative to champagne like it started to niggle in my head that mm. you're you're missing out I can't yeah. toast my own engagement with champagne how pathetic am I those were the sorts of thoughts I was having and then something happened one day in work and I was going to the night out sober all all good intentions and then something happened that day in work and they were like I wish you would drink again and I went do you know what I will I'll drink with you again tonight yes the the response was yes 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 and that gives 
my dopamine a little ping ping you're liked yeah. you're liked they all like you now um mm. I went out with work and I drank and it was fine it was actually really unsatisfying and I thought oh my god I've just thrown away four months sobriety for mediocre it was I had about eight drinks I didn't feel anything it didn't taste nice it was okay um but unfortunately it's dangerous it made me think you can moderate now this is cool you can moderate didn't even do anything didn't touch the sides but within six weeks I got back to my day one and I had planned. So I was like making all the rules, you know, um, don't drink in the house with your son. Don't drink on your own. Don't drink in the house in general, really just drink at nights out. And my last day one, I drank in the house on my own with my son all day. Like no one else was there. Um, and then convinced a friend to go to the pub with me. We went to the pub till close and back to her flat till 6am. And it was like all the rules I'd made over the last six weeks that I'd been painfully arguing with myself were out the window within a, within a second, within a day. And I just knew that's going to be your life. You will always break those rules, no matter your intentions. The minute you have that one drink, you know, deep down, you're not going to stick to this because your inhibitions are gone. The minute you have a drink, it's like, actually, yeah, fuck it. Where's the cigarettes? Where's the, where's the bag? Well, let's go. And we're out till 6am. Um, Mm. I'd I'd had a couple of blackout instances before that in those six weeks, whereas slowly the lesson was, there's a phrase I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's something like the universe will keep showing you the same lesson until you break Mm. it. And it was so true. And it it was, I had planned to stop drinking in June. I got a friend's Hindu in Valencia in May and I've got her wedding in June. So her wedding will be my last drinking session. And no, April 22nd, blackout drunk till 6am. And I thought, no, fuck this. I can't, this is day one. And it was, and it still is. Yeah. Wow. I almost think now, and I'm sure you agree with this actually, but when you reflect on those kind of periods or stints of sobriety and then going back to drinking and they do really make you arrive at the place that you need to be to really stop. It's almost like, you know, don't, it's like for people listening, don't think I have to um, like quit alcohol and that's it. I've only got one chance and I've got to make that one chance work because Actually, sometimes, and and quite often, the story is that you try, you fall into all the common traps, like, well, I'm 100 days, maybe I can moderate now. Um, Or, you know, one of the things that I'm really going on about at the moment is that fading effect bias, which is you you forget how bad it was. And then you start to think, well, was it that bad? No, it probably wasn't that bad, you know. Um, And all these yeah, these things that sort of trip you up. And then you go back and you realize it's it's actually it's it's a real slap in the face, I think, when you go back to drinking after a stint of sobriety and you just fall straight back on your face almost. You know what I mean? And yeah. you, you 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 fall, you slip off the cliff, but you but you go faster and harder and you just think, I've yeah. not got any of this under control. I'm I'm just you realize how naive you are, I think. Yeah. Situation. Uh- I knew the end was coming. I knew I was going to have to go sober again. I did. I was telling every time I was finding an excuse to drink, um, like, because it was only events now. So me and my friend were going for an afternoon tea and I was like, should we ditch our cars and have champagne afternoon tea? Because I knew then once we'd had champagne, I'd be able to convince it to stay out, things like that. And it was almost like I knew I was squeezing in as much drinking as possible because like I say, I'd planned for June to be, that's it then, sober after June, sober after June. So it was like cram it all in. But yeah, never. it never was going to be June because it, I don't know how I would have got there. If I'd carried on drinking those next six weeks from April to June, I, I don't know what would have happened because it was getting worse and worse. Um, who plans to 
not drink at home with their kid and then does it anyway like I just it was like oh every excuse under the sun it's sunny today he's ill my little boy had chicken pox and I was like oh so I was missing out on a wedding my other half was at the wedding so I was like right well I was gonna drink at the wedding anyway so I'll just drink here but I, like I say it's so irresponsible what if he'd fallen and hurt himself I wouldn't be able to drive him to the hospital mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it's that sort of thing that when you're when you then have the look the hangover the next day but when you reflect and think I put like you do I think as a mum if you're drinking at home with your kids there you are putting them in danger Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that doesn't matter if they're asleep in bed and you're having two bottles of wine on the sofa you cannot drive them anywhere if they have hurt themselves or you know um and that always sticks with me now yeah same I I, I've done a lot of that one or two bottle of wine drinking when the children are asleep and it is Yeah. yeah it does make me shudder a little bit um, but you did the classic, and I also used to do this as well. You did the classic, you hit the fuck it button. And mm. you it's almost like you have that period, just like you described it perfectly, actually. You have that period of like really concentrating on your moderation, really kind of achieving it, ticking the box, ticking the box. I'm not mixing my wine colours. I'm not drinking before six. I'm having a glass of water in between oh. drinks. I'm not drinking on an empty stomach. I'm not yep. drinking for the first part of the week. I'm making sure that I don't have any with Sunday life. You know? yep. And it's like that, that, that constant effort. And you do quite well. And it's almost like, and why, psychologically, why do we do this? But it's almost it's like, exhausting. it's almost like you have, you, you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, do you know what? You've been doing really well with that moderation. Just, you know, let yourself off. Go yeah. and just have a day where you can do what you want. It's almost like you do do that, don't you? And that's when you hit the pocket button and that's when everything goes south. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think as well, if you have to you have to be really honest with yourself. I knew, so it's exhausting. What you just described even then was hurting my head. Like, don't drink in the house, don't drink on Sundays, line your stomach, drink your water. Oh my God, how exhausting is though constantly thinking about that um and the anticipation of the the night so saturday it's my friend's birthday oh god will i have a drink before should i have a drink before i shouldn't because what if i turn up to the meal drunk i hope everyone drinks i hope everyone wants cocktails i I wonder if it will be all night it's so tiring that thing like you know that thought process of how's the night going to go am i going to embarrass myself what will i do um then you drink beforehand to kind of quash the anxiety but end up making it worse because then you turn up drunk or whatever and, and ruin the night um and or just end up feeling a bit shit like a bit hung over by 10 p.m at the meal or whatever it is um because people aren't as crazy as me and don't drink as much as me or you know whatever it's funny actually because i i've not interviewed a guest on here or you know helped a somebody in my dms that has said i'm i'm not all or nothing you know we are all or nothing people i think yeah drinkers we are um and we just i think for whatever reason we just get attracted to the highs and lows the highs but obviously not the lows but we still enter into that that weird weekly contract with our drinking though don't we where we know there's going to be dark stuff but we stick, but we just we value the high so much that we just we put up with and the stuff. Your brain doesn't know any different. You've had a lifetime of your brain going, yeah, let's drink on this. Yeah, this is what we drink on. So yeah. when you know you first tried to get sober, when those things pop up that your brain has had a lifetime of drinking on, your brain is going, Hey, why are we not drinking at this? And then it's 
you know, the devil on your shoulder and you're like, oh, okay. You have to literally be so strong to change that first habit up. My first um, first holiday I went on, I was six weeks sober, but again, it was just, I'm taking a break, I'm taking a break. And I went on holiday. I won't drink on this holiday. I won't drink on this holiday. Brain goes, oh, come on, it's holiday. We always have a drink on holiday. Yeah, you're right. I'll just have, I'll just have a beer. And there it was. I drank the whole holiday, but moderately. And then I went home and because I'd moderated on holiday, I treated myself to a night out with an old friend and got absolutely smashed. So it, it, it shows you there again, like you just eventually the same old trick's going to happen. It's not, it's not, it's not your fault. It's not our fault. Our brain doesn't know any different. Just like riding a bike. You can ride a bike for 10 years. You don't ride a bike for 10 years. You pick up a bike again. You know what to do. Yeah. I could not drink for 20 years, but if I did, I know what will happen again. So that's why I don't. Yeah. I think that's a really good point actually. And it's not something we've said on the podcast before, but I 100% agree with you. Um, just like you, I'm very soon to celebrate four years sober. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I know that if I picked up a drink today, everything would go downhill for me. Like yeah. the four years has meant nothing in the world of moderate world of not being able to moderate. It means nothing. Now, obviously, it means everything to me because it's changed my life getting sober in so many, many ways. Yeah. And it, but it's really changed the relationship that I have with myself that I value so much now. But if I picked up a drink today, nothing will have changed in terms of that drinking right. pattern or style. I would be thinking tomorrow, okay, well, you know, maybe I can have a drink on, I'll just have a drink on Friday or Fridays. I wouldn't be able to have a drink and then go, that's it. Never, you know, it would just, it's it's, it's scary. And I think- I wouldn't want to though. I would no, not want same. to. I would not want to have a glass of champagne at my friend's wedding because I've had four years off. It would taste like shit. I promise you it would taste like shit because yeah. I had the four months off and drank and it tasted like shit. Um, so if I had a drink now, if I had a champagne now, that is it. It would be, I know in my gut, I'm very competitive, right? And I'm in a competition with myself. I can't break it now. It's too late. I cannot throw away four years. <laughs> so I know if I had that one drink, my brain would be like, you've done it now. You've had the one. So you may as well have some more. <laughs> let's go go again and it might not happen immediately but within weeks I promise like it would be back to blackout drunk yes I feel like I would lose everything yeah yeah and and you probably would like I I would and also I always think that even if you offered me a glass of champagne without any consequences so you know all of that stuff wouldn't happen I still wouldn't want it no I would not want to chemically change my state anymore I'm happy as I am I'm happy being in my own head I yeah. like the way I feel when I'm firing on all cylinders I like feeling a hundred percent I don't want that feeling that I thought I used to love which is when the wine feels like it's going into the veins and it's relaxing everything well, what it really is doing is it's just sedating you it's a sedative yeah. but yeah. I wouldn't want that feeling like I don't want to feel woozy and floppy I want to feel full of energy and and even if I want to, if I'm tired, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy just to feel tired. Like I don't need yeah. anything to force me into a particular state. And so that's why alcohol has absolutely zero value to me anymore. Yeah. Just, I just feel like I see it for what it is really. Which it's is- a different tired as well now, right? I can feel tired. You feel tired. We've both got a toddler, but 
it's it's tired I'm tired today okay cool when I was drinking it was like oh I feel fucked unexhausted and groggy and foggy and just achy my bones hurt everything was like more painful whereas now it's just like oh I'm so tired done like okay but it's manageable yeah exactly and also you know that it's you genuinely know it's tiredness as well you know it's not like you say it's not anything else it's just you can listen to your body and you can tune into your body so much better because you know if you feel tired, well, actually, you're probably just tired. <laughs> yeah, it's real. Yeah, it is real. Um, so, okay, so you so you came home at 6 a.m., which is p- p- possibly one of the worst memories I've got of my own yeah. drinking times is that walk of shame when it's getting light and you see the person at the end of the road walking their dog and you realize they've just been up for the morning and you just hate yourself so much. What did you do to get sober? How did you support yourself? So what's interesting is when I, I didn't even do anything wrong that night. I was with a friend in her flat. We danced all night to like kiss FM. So it wasn't even, but yet the, the shame and anxiety for days and weeks after was excruciating so it just shows you know and that showed to me it's time to stop um because I've had nights out where I have done things that are really horrific and yeah whatever but um (laughs) um how did I get sober this time so I was in a group online called Club Soda anyway I'd been in there since July 2018 because I've been trying to do this thing and I had kind of connected with a few people in there um some ladies I was in a private group with them we'd all got sober at the same time when I'd done that four month stint so October 2018 I'd obviously gone back to drinking, but they were still in a group chat with me. And I remember writing to them that morning, like, fuck, I am done now. Help me. Like, how have you guys done it? Because they were all now coming up to eight months. And to this day, we still have that group chat and I still speak oh. to them. I've met them in real life. It's, it's a lovely like thing. Um, but that really helped me. So Club Soda, I, 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 I always like very grateful to them. Um, they're a great organization, but they, um, I put a message in there, like help me. And people were messaging me back. And I kind of used that to start with. I also went to AA. So I didn't know what else to do. What else do you do? If you think you've got a really awful problem with alcohol and you're really at your lowest, you know, feelings with it, what, where do you go? My first thought, I, I must go to AA. This must be the only way to, to sort me out. I remember like saying to Andy, my other half, I'm going to have to go to AA and like crying in the kitchen and saying, I have a problem. I actually do like his unintentionally unhelpful comments of just stick to Prosecco. Just don't go as hard just uh, he didn't know how I was really feeling inside so I was had a very honest conversation with him so now he knew my other half knew not to ever encourage me now not to say just do this or just do that to just say don't have any um and I went to AA and you know what I would always say to people if you're worried about AA or not sure give it a go and see what you think it was an experience I they they were really lovely they welcomed me in they made me a cup of tea I was in tears because I couldn't believe I was there there's nothing wrong with going there um and I listened to the stories and the shares but you know what I just had this real gut feeling and I maybe I should have tried other meetings but everyone in there was kind of like oh they did they literally said this life is shit with or without alcohol but it's worse when you are drinking so we may as well not drink and I just thought no that's wrong I've had four months sober and I know it's fucking great I know it's great this is I I and like I say it was just one meeting I could have gone to others but I just got this real feeling that they thought life was shit regardless so I started my Instagram account sober and happy and I started to put I'm on day five I just did my first AA meeting last night not sure what to make of it hashtag sober hashtag 
sober is better. And people started to talk to me. And within like a year, I think I had like 4,000 followers. And it, and I was like, whoa, like this is mad. Like there's so many people trying to do this. And it has gradually evolved over. I can't let my followers down. I think you must feel like this too. Mm. It's kept me going. How do I get sober? I don't know. Sheer fucking willpower at the end of the day, because I don't want to let people down. If I drank again, how do I go on my Instagram and put, hey, I drank last night? Mm. Oh, that gives me, I can't do that because yeah. I'm uh, I don't know the sober cheerleader <laughs> that's what I've always yeah. felt like um so yeah I went to AA it wasn't for me I decided to throw myself into tracking my journey I thought fuck it let this, let's do this let's put it on the internet let's tell strangers that's easier than telling my friends that's easier than telling my family that then comes organically when you when you feel confident and ready to that then comes on but um yeah I knew being sober made me feel happy before so I thought let's call it sober and happy <laughs> very simple sober is happy for me so yeah created the created the Instagram account started tracking everything met you I think I actually think if you scroll up though it's a long way to go because we've messaged a lot we first messaged in 2019 I feel like we did um so yeah just started that that journey that community and that is how I would say I stayed sober a lot of the time willpower Instagram and meeting other sober people yeah um it's interesting what you mentioned actually about your partner uh, in the very beginning, because this has come up as a topic in my group quite a few times, or in t- DMs as well on Instagram, about how sometimes the reaction from a partner is not unsupportive, um, no. but they don't realise the extent of the problem, or how it's internal. Much, yeah, how much that might how how debilitating drinking Mm. mentally might be and I always try to encourage that honest conversation um yeah because I think it's important to really spell things out to other people like loved ones and things you don't have to tell everybody the ins and outs of your drinking and but obviously the ones the people that are important that you really want to properly be able to support you on the journey I think that's really vital to get their buy-in to to just because they can drink a certain way because my husband is the same my husband can have one cider a year um and that's it that's it and and in the in the very beginning whilst uh, my husband but he was really supportive and it still is but it was my biggest cheerleader really um so I've been lucky I've been very lucky in that respect but he admitted that he struggles sometimes, even still, to really understand why why me? Why is it that I can't control my drinking, but you know, lots of other people can? You know, And I think that is sometimes it is a bit of a mystery. Obviously, now we know that there are multiple factors as to why people like you and I drink or drink too much. And that can be anything from... Uh, you know, trauma, things that have happened in our lives, the way that we feel about ourselves, yep. the, the way that we feel like we fit in or don't fit in. Yep. Uh, there are all these kind of like little windy turns that get you to the point where you use alcohol as an escape, escapism. Yeah. Also because it's shoved in our faces every five minutes. Exactly. That's it's the answer. Yeah. And that's why some people get into a complicated relationship and others don't. It's just, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a kind of melting pot of different factors. It's not easy to pinpoint and say, you drink because of this reason. It's all of these reasons over here. Um, yeah. Which takes. Sl- yeah. 
sorry I was gonna say it's slow and it creeps on you it's like um you drink to have fun you drink to fit in and then it's not that fun anymore you start to make embarrassing mistakes errors of judgment you're nasty when you're drunk you fall out with people you're it's slowly slowly and then it all culminates into this thing of I need it to cope now yeah that's right and also as well I think if you're someone that has a like a predisposition to fall into binge style regular binge style drinking you know there is science now that if you do that too early i.e around 14 15 years old you are much more likely to develop a problematic relationship later on because you are conditioning your brain whilst your brain is still only 70 75 percent grown at that point it still has a huge amount of growth to do in 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 your mid-20s and yet you're you're bombarding your internal system with alcohol if you have all of these kind of weird twists and turns that get you to a point where you actually take a drink early on and you like it and it's something sort of clicks and you do you know it, it takes a little bit of pain away or it helps you flourish in a social situation where you might have social anxiety normally especially in those kind of awkward teenagers and then you keep doing it because that's just what we do in inverted yep. commas then you get into that dangerous ground of in your 20s and then your 30s as well of where you're just doing it regularly and your tolerance is increasing and the more you have it the more you need the more you want and then bang all of a sudden you're maybe 30s or into 40s or later and you have got a problem with alcohol it's everyone's answer it's everyone's answer to you for everything if you say oh god it was just an awful day at work today the boss what do your colleagues say? Oh, you're going to need a big drink when you get home. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. And it, it, oh my God, I got the promotion. Oh, let's celebrate champagne. Yeah, oh, I yeah. got engaged. Let's celebrate champagne. Yeah. Oh my God, my great uncle died. Oh, you need a drink, stiff drink to sort that out. It's always everyone's answer for everything mm-hmm. when actually it's, <laughs> there's there's nothing good about it. It doesn't do anything. It just, like you say, yeah. quashes and, and sedates the, sedates everything, sedates your brain, sedates your emotions. Yes. Those problems, those celebrations, they're all still going to be there tomorrow, but with a hangover now. Yeah, or- exactly. And I think actually like you've hit a good point there. Um, and in that we need to display more alternatives to celebrating and 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 dealing with all of these different things in life because at the moment it is that carbon copy of have a drink yeah but but what's the alternative and that's why I think when people choose to get sober or to live a life free of alcohol there's just not enough social conditioning without alcohol at the moment we almost have to we've got to all build our own or like you say follow all these wonderful people and accounts on social media that are helping us to show the way forward and slowly slowly it will start to stick like when you said how did you get sober I probably should mention I did read a lot of quitlet as well but I did drink again after that quitlet because I wasn't consistent with it if you're constantly reading the quitlet and you're constantly listening to sober podcasts it's going to stick but you have to engage and do that first of all like if you read the unexpected joy of being sober and then don't do anything else and start drinking again in six months. You, you will, you'll get complacent and you drink again. If you read the unexpected joy of being sober, this naked mind, the sober diaries, we are the luckiest glorious yeah. rock bottom. And you keep reading all these books and you keep listening to Terry's podcast and you keep, you know, all this stuff, you're not going to drink again. If you engage in the sober communities that you're part of, whether, you know, it's 
Thrive or Club Soda or whatever you, you know, if you're talking to people all the time and engaging, mm. then fine. I tell people all the time on Instagram and things like you're, you have to do the work in inverted commas to even get there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't just think quick fix. Oh, why? I've not drank for a week. Why don't I feel better? You have yeah. to literally unlearn everything you've learned about alcohol for the last 20 years so start reading books start listening to podcasts start learning what it does to you learn that it causes so many cancers it also is terrible for your sleep and your mental health we think it's not we think it's great and that it you know helps your anxiety takes the edge off does the absolute opposite um learn all that stuff Mm. and then if you're still drinking after knowing all of this and constantly engaging well then maybe i don't know going to the doctor or rehab or something like that is, is, is maybe more suitable. I I don't know, but I I feel like you can stay sober, you can do it, but you have to engage in, in the information. I think the biggest threat to success is lack of consistency. And I think we, um, we underplay the importance of this kind of daily work or daily practice or making sobriety a habit or whatever you want to call it you have to do for me when I got when I decided to get sober I I I was vigorous in my thirst for knowledge and information I listened to a a podcast every single day listen I got a full-time job and I got at the time I had two kids and it is easy to say you don't have time, but you can find time. You can, yeah. you can find time. I, on the school runs, I used to listen to the podcast. At lunchtime, I used to listen to the podcast. Whilst I was washing the dishes, I had the headphones on the side. I was listening to the podcast. I listened to it sometimes in 10-minute sections throughout the day because I didn't have the full hour to do that. Yeah. But I still, I still did it. I had a bath in the evening so that I could distract myself and I read my book. I went to bed early and I read my book and yeah. old and I probably bored my husband to death of, of all the things that I was learning. But yeah. it was kind of a mild obsession. Um, yeah. And I think that's really important. And it's it's also when people join my group, Thrive, I say to them now, because I have seen people have joins and I do think that sometimes people think that just by signing up to something and joining something it is a big quick fix yeah it isn't like it's fantastic that you've taken the step to you know invest a little bit of money in yourself or join a group it doesn't have to be a paid it could be free or do some coaching you know I know you offer coaching sessions you know it's great but you have to do your work as well you can't just completely outsource all of that stuff, you have to accept that that is just the start doing those things, that actually you need to make it daily thing. And if you're going to join a group like Thrive, you have to invest in it and you've got to find the time to be going online and checking in with people and joining the Zoom meetings and all of those things, because that is what's going to make the difference. And the people um, in my group, I mean, I, I love them all. They're fantastic. But the people that have been there, and most of them make the weekly Zooms, they're all they're there. Some weeks they're high, some weeks they're low. We're sharing, we're open. It's lovely because now some of them are saying, okay, now I'm hitting five months. I'm about it's to sticking. five months. It's like, wow, you know, they've never done that before. And- Giving up drinking is hard, but it doesn't have to be as hard as it's only as hard as you make it. So it is really hard to give up drinking in a world where everyone's drinking around you and people are saying, oh, come on, you're not that bad, blah, 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 blah. 
that is hard, right? It's hard, but it doesn't have to be that hard because there are groups, there are podcasts that you can listen and talk and engage. You can literally DM me on Instagram and I will reply to you. I do. I have done it for so many people. You know, you have a group, I have a group. Facebook has group. There are hundreds of groups. There's free groups, Alcohol Explained, Club Soda. Um, there's loads of groups you can join and you can literally write, I'm struggling and people will reply to you. So as long as you're engaging and doing it. Yes. Yeah. It, will, it, it is hard. I'm not saying it's just a piece of piss and easy. It's, it's not, but it, it doesn't have to be that hard. I, um, I agree. I, I agree with this. And actually, I think sometimes I think there is a pressure and being in a similar place and being a sort of a, a, an influencer in this space, which, you know, we, we both are, um, I feel like there is a pressure sometimes to make sure that we are saying it's really hard to do. No, um, yeah. but actually, my experience, if I'm being completely honest, my experience was different. Yeah. I, of course, I had challenging moments yeah. in my sobriety, but I, like you, got to a point where I just had a deep knowing that I had to stop and I think once I crossed that line and made that decision I found sobriety relatively easy you know everyone's drinking is different and some people have very big rock bottoms and some people have really really big difficulties in life and and so you know I do understand that obviously if alcohol or drugs have got to that point where it's completely taking over your life then that is really hard. And I, I get yeah. that. I get that. But for me, I was an enthusiastic binge drinker. That's what I kind yeah. of see myself as. I could have days where I didn't drink. I could. And I could moderate, even though it was mental gymnastics. I could do it. Yeah. Um, but I just had too many times where I just thought, this is shit. I don't want this yeah. for the rest I'm of my life. Up. I'm fed, fed up. up. So yeah. actually, when I took the alcohol away... I quickly started to feel better. And I um, I suppose I spent a lot of time in my 20s and 30s reading self-help books. I've read a lot of things about emotional intelligence. So I've always yeah. tried to make myself be the best version of myself. That's sounding yeah. a bit too cheesy. Um, and whilst I'm definitely not the finished product and ever will be, I think that stuff has helped me. It's helped me have a growth mindset. So I yeah. don't fixate on what I can't do. I'm very yeah. much this is what I need to do or this is what I can do to yeah. make the situation better. So when I stopped drinking, I felt a lot of the benefits quite quickly. And yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it was tricky in situations. It was challenging to tell people that I wasn't drinking in a world where everyone was drinking around me. And it was hard to feel my feelings. I get I get all of that, really felt that. Sometimes I would cry and I don't know why I was crying. Sometimes yeah. I felt flat and I don't know why I felt flat. I felt really angry. Yeah. and th- th- Normal. That's, that's, I just, I think... What I've realized is that actually I can still feel like that now. Like that is life, (laughs) you know, it's just that when you take the boozy lens off, you just see life for what it is. And it is actually, it is up and down. So I, I do feel like sometimes I feel like there is a pressure that we have to overemphasize how hard it was. Mm. I don't know if you kind of understand what I mean by that, but actually it doesn't have to be like that. Like you say, it doesn't have to be really hard. If it is really hard, then you know, maybe you need to do some different things or just yeah. therapy or what is it? What is it yeah. that's making it so difficult? Look, it's not a walk in the park, but it's probably, you know, it's one of the biggest things that I think I've managed to do in my life other than like have kids and stuff or yeah. like grow a baby and have a child. 
but it's probably been it's up there in one of the most rewarding things along 100% like getting married and all the rest of it but you different. know yeah it's it's it is different and it's it's a journey I think it's a journey of discovery yeah something that I've learned that you can really fall in love with doing it every day and it doesn't have to be even on the bad days yeah do you know what I mean yeah it's, it's transformational. That's what I say to, say to people. When you actually do it and you stick and you realize that this is it now, it is life-changing, yeah. transformational, amazing. Like it is, it, it, even on the shit days. Mm. And there are shit days because that is life, yeah. but they're so much more manageable without alcohol. Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise we wouldn't be here, would we? <laughs> um. So, okay. So we're getting towards the end. I feel like that time has just absolutely bolted by um what are your yeah on that note I suppose sticking with that theme in a way what are your top three tips on getting or staying sober so I was thinking about this I've got there's loads but the the main three for me and I say this to everyone all the time be fucking realistic with your drinking be honest with yourself stop romanticizing it that is how I've kept sober this whole time. Whenever I've thought, oh, it's such a nice day. I'd love to have a beer in the beer garden. I've gone, no, because the last time you had a beer in the beer garden, you were out till 6am and you spent all your money and you were crying and it was depressing for weeks after. I have to literally be really realistic. So I say to people, don't romanticize. It's Let yourself do it for a second, but bring yourself back to reality. Be really honest with yourself at all times, okay? You're not here, you're not listening to this today if you didn't think or want to change your relationship with alcohol. So just because you're not that bad or eight times out of 10, you don't do anything too wrong, be realistic about it. How is it making you feel? Always, as I always say, play it forward. I'm sure everyone says that to you, but play it forward. If you're tempted, you know... <laughs> Don't go if you're re- if you're worried about the birthday party on Friday, um, because you you might be tempted to drink. Don't go. As short term short term pain, long term gain. You will get to go to birthday parties again. Play it forward. What does it look like if you walk into that pub for your friend's fortieth on Friday? Are you going to drink? If you think the answer is yes, don't go. Um, if you think the answer is maybe, but you're not sure, give it a go. But be ready to leave at any point. Um, and then my last so. Be realistic with drinking, play it forward. And the final final one, I think it's really important as well. Have something nice planned. Plan something good the next day that you would never be able to do if you were hungover, whether it's a brunch with a friend or a coffee or a walk in the park. And when you're there, you'll be like, I would not be doing this if I was hungover right now. Have things planned, have treats treat yourself. You're not drinking. That's really massive. So buy yourself a takeaway, get your nails done, get like, you know, treat yourself at any point. I'm such a big like advocate for that because if you're spending 250 quid a weekend on or a week on alcohol, you're not going to spend that on treats. You might spend 30 quid in M&S. On, that's what I used to do every Friday. I'd walk to M&S in the first year of sobriety and I'd spend 30 quid on treats for the weekend. Nice. And that was a fraction of what I'd been spending in the pub. So yeah play it forward, be realistic and plan nice things. Love it. Um, What have you learned about yourself, do you think, since you've been sober? Do you know what? this? And it's actually quite sad, um, but I think it's a a good one to, to say. What I've learned about myself is I am a nice person. I didn't think I was a nice person when I was drinking. I didn't think I was like vile, but I just thought I was a gossip um, loud, aggressive, bullshy, 
I'm not, and I'm actually, I'm really nice and caring, but when you're drinking and you're sedating yourself and you're becoming a different person and your morals don't align with who you are sober. So like when I was drinking, I'd just tell people secrets, start arguments, gossip, spread rumors. I still like a bit of gossip every now and then, especially when it's like celebrities and stuff like that. But I really tune in with myself. I know it's not nice and it doesn't make me feel good whenever I do it. Um, whereas as a drinker, I didn't give a shit. And yeah, that, I, I was really horrible to myself as a drinker. Awful. You're an awful person. You're an awful mum. You're a shit friend. You're a really bad person. Whereas now I'm like, I'm actually really nice. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, I think that about myself as well. I just think that's so priceless. I like you know, myself. Yeah, no, and nobody can create that relationship with yourself like yourself. Oh. And it's just, it's so powerful, I think, to be in that place where you just you like who wakes up in the morning and who you look at in the mirror. Sounds really cheesy again, but it, it is so true, isn't it? And I will say this, I can do anything. Yeah, you if can. I want to, I can. Yeah. And I never thought I could before. There's things I don't want to do, like bungee jump and shit like that. No, thanks. <laughs> I could if I wanted to. Like, I can do anything. You unlock, you, you're functioning at 40% when you're a drinker. I do so much more now. I've yeah. given up booze. And so... We are both celebrating four years this year, one week apart. Isn't that just so funny? Mad. We're going to have to have a virtual tea party or something, aren't we? With um, For zero. With some nice, yeah, Some I was thinking of cake, actually. With some nice oh, yeah. cake. That's all always. I love. It's on always my, cake. <laughs> on my anniversary, I get a yeah. call in the cake, so. <laughs> I do. I go to M&S and I buy a proper celebration cake. Yeah, nice. The birthday. I think we should do that together. We should dial in and eat our cake and record it and share it yeah. for everyone. Yeah, that sounds but, good. But in, just in terms of, obviously, we're four years, and I haven't really thought about this myself yet, so I'm really throwing this on you um, in, in the last moment. But where do you think you'd like to be, obviously, kind of, well, it doesn't have to be in relationship to sobriety alone, but yeah. you know what you've gained and achieved in four years, what do you think the next four years will will bring? I'm really excited about the next four years. I work full time in a corporate job, nine to five HR. I hope in the next four years, I won't be in that job anymore. I created Sober and Happy as a business last year, and I am training to be a counsellor at the moment. So I'm doing my level two counselling skills at the minute. Um, I will get accredited um, and hopefully become like a licensed therapist in the next four years. That's the plan. Um, you can book one-to-one sessions with me now. And like, we go through goals and, you know, I openly not a therapist, but we go through goals and where you want to be and how to get there. And I will hold you accountable and I will set your challenges. And, you know, it's up to you if you're ready to do them or not. That has been so like, I don't know, fulfilling, even though I've only been doing it since October, but that is where I see the next four years, bigger and better, sober and happy being a real thing with people that have changed their lives, I hope. Oh, that's so lovely. That's brilliant. And I'm absolutely sure that you'll get there. You really will. So tell us a little bit about how we can find you and how we can learn about the services and things that you offer. So I am, I'm pretty chilled, right? It's like I say, I'm, I work full time anyway. So it's not like I have a big website set up or anything like that. That will come. I know it's on my to-do list. <laughs> um, but basically I'm on Instagram at sober underscore and underscore happy, sober and happy. Um, and I always say this all the time, uh, DMs are open and I will reply. I hope I've replied to everyone's messages over the last four years, but I do my damnedest to reply to everyone because 
it's horrible when you're in that place, isn't it? When you're in that place of what the hell do I do? I want to stop, but I don't know how. So I would say DM me, but um, there's a link on there. You can see, you know, I have a little group on Facebook um, with a few, um, it's, a, it's ladies only. So it's a safe, nice space for women. Um, we talk about everything in there, no subjects off limits. I'm a huge oversharer, I'm sure, as you know. Um, but yeah, and, and or just DM me and we can come up with something that works for you. And also, how exciting uh, doing the counselling skills training. That must be so interesting. And I've always thought I'd love to do that sort of work. But yeah, oh, it's been so lovely. So, so good. I, I could literally talk for talk, another hour. I know, I know. Easily, <laughs> easily. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, I'm delighted to have you as a sort of new friend. And I hope that Yay. I'm very much in that next four years as well. This next four years, well, this year, I'm like convinced we will meet face to face. We have to 100%. meet face to face. Yeah, yeah. We have, it we're will. not we're not too far away, are we? So we have to meet face to face. Just a couple of yeah. hours up the road. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you to everybody for listening to us. And until next time, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.